It's a joy and a privilege to speak on any aspect of Savitri. And it's in a way doubled because it's Dr. Nathkarni's memorial lecture. I remember when few years back, few years must be quite a number of years, I don't really recollect, but it was during one of the camps to Nainital before I had taken premature retirement and I was debating with myself, should I go for these camps or should I not go? He was also there in the same camp. And this debate had been going on for some time during those years because I wanted a very clear answer from the mother that I'm, I should be doing this. It's a very risky territory. I always feel this speaking business is not always a good business. And so before retirement from the Indian Air Force, I thought, let me take retirement from this speaking part. So I just shared this feeling with him. I actually thought aloud, because I know this answer had to come from inside. This cannot come from anyone outside. But as if um, he foreshadowed the answer that was to come, he said it will be a great loss for the work. That's all he said. So um, I was not sure. I was frankly not too convinced about it. Uh, because I really believe that mother's work carries on in so many ways. Often silence is more powerful than speech. Nevertheless, it has so happened that over the years, there was a closeness which developed with Dr. Nath Karni. He came to stay in my house when he came to Bangalore. And it was really such a joy. What simplicity, despite such a great intellect. And I was very touched with uh, some of these moments, precious moments that I spent with him. And then, of course, before uh, the year he, he left for the lap of the Divine Mother, a few months before, he just happened to mention that, could you take the November camp? So I was really nonplussed, and I told him, Nathkaniji, um, it'll be anyways you are taking. He said, no, no, I'm not feeling too well. I've shared this with some people personally, I've never shared it publicly, but since it's Dr. Nath Kani's memory lecture, maybe a few words. So I said, um, he said, I'm not feeling too well. So I said, well, Nath Kani, you'll be fine by November. It's, it's uh, I mean, um, people will come to listen to you. He said, let us see. Um, then finally, after much um, hesitation, I said, all right. Um, All India Magazine, they can put my name, but I do hope that you'll be fine and uh, you'll take the lecture. He said, all right. And then the only thing was that I said, this is on the Gita and Savitri, both will be a bit too much because of the medical work. So uh, I'll take up Savitri. He said, all right. And it so happened that I don't remember the exact date when this conversation took place, but maybe a month or at the most two months. Um... It's, it's uh, in one way, it's a difficult moment for me, but I'm sure everyone will bear with it, that I had a call from Miradi, and um, I happened to be the first doctor who reached when Dr. Nath Kanni left his body. He had already left his body. Uh, right behind uh, Dilibda came, and all of us then came together. It was such a swift and sudden event that it seemed almost that, uh, I mean, really, it's, uh, at one level, it's a grace that um, he just, um, he left the body so painlessly, I mean, so swiftly, no suffering, no, uh, no fuss, and it was something remarkable. I have seen so many deaths in my practice, but this is one of the exceptional kinds of departure that I have seen. And if anything is a sign that he was indeed an exceptional person, being, this was one of them. So here we are remembering him on this day, and what better remembrance than to read Savitri, something which he loved and he loved to sing about it. Coming to the theme, um, the journey of love from Savitri. When I think of Savitri, 
what Savitri is. I am reminded of those lines in Savitri itself because Savitri has everything in it, including what Savitri is. And these lines come at the end of uh, Book 2, Canto 8, when after the descent of night, Ashupati has torn through the veil of darkness. Night has been cleaved and cut asunder. And we have those lines which emerge the lyric of love that waits through time, the message of the superconscious fire, the book of bliss. This is what Savitri is. It's a lyric of love. If we see in one word, it's a lyric of love. But the amazing part is when Shurabindu speaks about Savitri in the author's note, he mentions an interesting adjective which I have often felt has not received enough attention conjugal love conquering death. Now, I believe that the great ones in the past, the ancient ones who wrote these beautiful stories, they did happen and um, even apart from that, they were not just writing things symbolically, there was a stark realism in all that they wrote. It was not just an ethereal possibility but a very material possibility. And that often hits me hard. I can't say I've fully understood, grasped the full import of what it means, except that it is possible in a human body, in flesh and blood, that love which is hidden in the heart of creation and works silently. It is possible. The truth that it is the age of truth and we all know that Shurabindu has and the mother's tapasya, the great sacrifice, has brought down to earth the supramental truth consciousness. And unfortunately, like all terms, the word truth also evokes in us a certain sense and a meaning. We are so accustomed to truth in terms of science. Science explores truth. What about the heart? Oh, that's mere sentimental emotionalism. I feel if there is one civilizational disease which has been chronic, with which human beings have suffered and continue to suffer, it is the want of love. Both as a practitioner of the path of yoga and uh, both um, as a psychiatrist, as a doctor. If I look around, having gone around the world, I see that people suffer because of want of love. All education caters to knowledge, knowledge, more and more knowledge. Knowledge for power, 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 mastery. The heart is ignored in the process. It's stifled. The response of heart to truth is lost. We do not even know. We do not even hear its language. It's crushed. It's kept aside. It's not even spoken of. It's bad to speak about it. It's like when people grow up, you're not supposed to cry. To love is almost like <laughs> an anathema to a modern civilized person. So this is understandable because love is also the first power that has plunged into creation. And therefore, um, it may be a very funny way to look at it, but it would be the last to emerge. A lot has to be ready for this power to emerge. I'm reminded of a small uh, analogy. Analogy means every, every time experience because everything in this world is interconnected. So from one event, you can draw the truth of another event, because it's all in a single plan. So I have a habit of reaching early to airports, and I feel comfortable that, you know, I don't have to wait for long. So once somebody told me a very interesting, you know, I always felt this is very logical. Why do you want to rush last minute? He said, no, there is a reason why you should go towards the end. So I asked him why. He said, if you give your baggage in the beginning, it will come out last. So <laughs> I started observing it, and I saw it's really true. So, but well, uh, old habits die hard and I still prefer to get the baggage last rather than take the chance to miss the flight. So, something like that has happened that in this creation when all the, we know the great story when being plunged into this darkness. The being plunged is very interesting. Shobindu speaks about it. Not just some kind of bare truth because when we speak about truth, Shobindu brings truth, but it's not the truth of the material scientists. It's not that which is truth. Bare, cold, impersonal, heartless. 
something which can be resolved into a whirling dance of protons and electrons and atomic particles. That's not the truth that Shudinda brings. It is our truth, one of the truths, but not the truth. Similarly, it's not the truth of the mystic sitting aloof, cut off from all, indifferent to the pain and pangs of this world, sitting on the mountain tops of some inmost recesses or in some cave, inaccessible to world, aloof, in some trance, waiting upon the infinite to merge and be dissolved in that. It's not the truth of these two extremes. He brings a truth that is one with love. A truth which is not one with love will be harsh. It's not that kind of truth that should have been the ones to establish on earth. And Mother took particular care to remind us that the Superman, what he will have, that is left to everybody's imaginations. But what he will not have has been very, very clearly said. He will not be a cruel being. He will embody in himself the truth of love, a bliss, a power, a flame-white love, a light, a bliss, a light, a power, a flame-white love, caught all into a soul, immense embrace, existence found its truth on oneness breast. So this is the truth that has plunged into creation. But to come back to the story, when darkness was there, covered with darkness. So the gods had to go in to rescue all the energies that had gone, deviated from their true purpose, gone out and plunged into the darkness and assumed that shape and color, hidden, wrapped. Where are they? Where are they? None of the gods is daring to leap into it. It's too dark. It's such an immense work. Then Agni, the representative of the divine consciousness and will, says, I will go, but I have one condition. And the condition is, looking at the divine mother, Aditi, Agni says, I see in your heart a most beautiful, resplendent light, shadowless, pure, intense. And if that you give us, like a money, I will come. And if Agni goes, all the other gods will follow. So the Divine Mother poured that light, a drop of that light, from her fathomless heart of love and bliss. And that light, that pure shadowless light from her heart, has gone into creation. And since then it is engaged in the labor of love. It is the love that crystallized itself as the psychic essence. This is what we are told. That it's that drop. And following it, the gods, Agni, Mitra, Varuna, Bhag, Indra, Som, Ashwins, Ribhus, the artisans of immortality. All these plunged into the darkness. Why? Because there went as the spear point, the flame white love from the heart of the Divine Mother. This is the origin of that love. Beings plunge into this darkness to rescue it. It's very interesting when we speak about the divine. He's not just an impersonal universality. This is very um, often now there is a tendency to speak of yes, every path leads to <laughs> leads to that reality. And this word reality is a very funny word. There is scientific reality, there is material reality, there is psychological reality. Reality with a capital R. There is a reality of the Advaitin, there is a reality of the Buddhist, there is a reality of all kind. But the reality which Shurvinda speaks of is not just an impersonal universality, it is a being, it is a transcendent being. And that being has plunged himself into this darkness. This is beautifully brought out in Savitri. Everything is brought out beautifully in Savitri. So it's understood. Page 141, Kingdoms of Little Life. In the enigma of the dark and vast, in the passion and self-loss of the infinite, when all was plunged in the negating void, non-beings, night, could never have been saved if being had not plunged into the dark, carrying with it its triple mystic cross. 
So when we are asked for, when we are told to renounce, sacrifice, these words have no meaning at a human level. Because what do we really renounce and sacrifice? We leave dirt, mud, mire, and what the Divine Mother gives us in exchange? <laughs> Pure diamond. So what to talk about that we have left this, we have left that. Whatever we have left is, was nothing worth it. It was only in useless entanglement, weeds, thorns, all these things. But what? If there is an example, unparalleled example of renunciation, it is the renunciation which the divine makes to assume a human body. When the mother speaks of the relevance of Savitri, one of the things she says is the experience of the divine mother in her effort to adapt to the suffering, falsehood of material life. We cannot imagine what it means to renounce that and enter into this mortal body, to live that, to endure that, just to be in a human body for a being of a higher world, leave aside the supreme, is a great suffering. Because it's like a cage, it's a small little place, tiny hole. And a being of higher consciousness, when he takes such a body, it's a great suffering because he brings with it memories of lost felicities, of a power of godly estate and to assume a body is really to enter into a misery even in the best of surroundings. Such people are very uncomfortable with their surroundings. They feel like a stranger and when the divine himself does that. So this descent of the divine, Shobindo very beautifully when he's in the first canto of Savitri says, repeating the marvel of the first descent and every time the divine loses his infinity and enters into this creation. She says it's with only one objective, to transform matter. She loses himself completely, identifies with matter. And it is the origin, all subsequent descents, in the origin there is the first descent. The mother speaks when she meets this being who has plunged into this darkness. She says the first avatar, if being had not plunged into the dark, carrying with it its triple mystic cross, invoking in world time the timeless truth. Bliss changed to sorrow, knowledge made ignorant, God's force turned into a child's helplessness, can bring down heaven by their sacrifice. It's the first sacrifice, sacrifice of the divine himself. He shows the way to us, what is the way, the path, the return is also through sacrifice. As evolution takes place at each level, nature does the sacrifice normally. It's not we who do the sacrifice, still human humanity, nature does the sacrifice. Look at the whole story of evolution. Matter must sacrifice its peaceful stability to begin to crawl and run and jump, otherwise it will not. It must sacrifice, matter is at ease, peace and stable. It must sacrifice that. When life comes, everything becomes unstable. Every moment there is a change which is taking place. There is death which comes with it. Suffering which comes with it. Matter does not experience these things. And it must be sacrificed, that state of peace, of inertia, immobility, for life to emerge. Again, we see in living forms, progressive sacrifice. The fish must sacrifice its gill, its lovely place, wonderful ocean, to come on the land the creatures of the land must sacrifice their vitality. The, the snake must sacrifice its ability to crawl, to be able to fly. The bird must sacrifice its wings to be able to run on the plains. And the animal with its sinews and muscles and strength and vitality and force and speed must sacrifice all that to be able to think in man. This is the law of sacrifice. All evolution is sacrifice of that which was for that which yet can be. And here we stand at the human stage with a mighty intellect. If we are willing to really ascend to the intuitive stage, we must be willing to sacrifice this, the rational mind which comes in the way. It's like a hard lid which will not break open unless by some divine grace we are hammered <laughs> or we meet the contradictions of life and they compel us to widen, to look afresh at things. So this is the great sacrifice 
being became the void and conscious force nescience and walk of a blind energy and ecstasy took the figure of world pain in a mysterious dispensations law a wisdom that prepares its far off ends planned so to start her slow eonic game this is the first act of love and always throughout life if really one sees in one word what really is love in one word one has to describe love it is sacrifice there is no other word which is better suited to express love mother says in one of her short those marvelous statement they speak about the rights of love but the only right of love is to give itself no other right of love the moment there is expectation wanting to receive to get it's no more love it's something else it is a cry of the titan what happens in our life i'm just flipping through which i just love to do page 506 the voice of the titan what love has become here while original love is sacrifice sacrifice of the very highest it's one thing to sacrifice the lower for the higher but divine has sacrificed the highest to enter into this darkness darkened state how many can do it sacrifice all the gains the inner experiences the richness of the life of an ascetic the wish to be an ascetic in some forest this is a big when the um, hostile forces cannot work in any other way then they try a very nice trick that trick is there in savitri death tells savitri that look um, finally okay fine i agree there may be some god etc above but don't find in world leave this world and go into some forest and there you meditate and find that self this is one of the tricks they do this and it's very very convincing especially because the indian mind is so much stamped with asceticism these thoughts come when nothing else works out better go to forest somewhere far aloof why be in the world with all these hassles problems etc so the original sacrifice the other way round and shobindo speaks about it at several places at one place he says a god come down and greater by the fall he becomes greater the divine he assumes this body enters into this darkness because the end result is something greater than what it was originally and for that he has come down for that glory but meanwhile what is our state because from there we begin page 506 the voice of the titan within us how does he speak what does he whisper from the back doors i have loved but none has loved me since my birth this these are the thoughts which <laughs> titan whispers <laughs> my fruit of works is given to other hands how sad and then you know there are people who will talk about karma your karma so <laughs> in fact there are other lines uh, above that my teachers lesson me in slavery i am shown god's stamp and my own signature upon the sorry contract of my fate i have loved but none has loved me since my birth my fruit of works is given to other hands all that is left me is my evil thoughts my sordid quarrel against god and man envy of the riches that i cannot share hate of a happiness that is not mine and then it gives the secret why love has become this disfigured titans whisper in our hearts i know my fate will ever be the same it is my nature's work that cannot change why i have loved for mine not for the beloved's sake i have lived for myself and not for others lives this is the problem as it enters into the arena of this earth all the forces they want to capture and think it is our own the mother in one of her prayers laments she says all the great asuras who have accepted to play the role of helping the work want to keep some of the forces for themselves nobody wants to give back everything to the divine it comes from the divine everything belongs to the divine we want to appropriate my love my light my knowledge my power my strength 
and the moment the mai comes it is lost it is deformed it is disfigured it becomes love becomes a cause of suffering pain and misery so what love has become here and still the beauty is in spite of all this we can still feel this power there have been ages of knowledge there have been age of power but there has not been an age of love convincing age of love there have been um you know myths created around like for instance a brief while in vrindavan when all was rapture and felicity and everybody danced around god for a short while but vrindavan couldn't last and on earth it was a mystics creation the mystics saw the possibility of such a love there have been such stories christ came to embody that love but it had to end with a supreme sacrifice we may add the word strategic sacrifice and what helped it helped to humanize humanity so there have been moments of love but not something that has endured but there have been ages when there was knowledge wisdom there have been ages when there was power when we read about atlantis the mayan civilization mahabharata what tremendous power and knowledge they wielded but look at what happened to that knowledge and power we have seen that movie um what is that movie about um, planet of the apes so what happened with that knowledge and power man blew off himself why because what was missing was love so there is this terrible thing which is missing and yet the beauty is that if we look around life and creation if there is one thing we are sure to find every day as we walk through it is love the smile of love we can see it everywhere and that's what shobindo reminds us through savitri again page 139 always a heaven truth broods in life deeps always it's there and time to time it blossoms out in her obscurest members burns that fire a touch of god's rapture in creation's acts a lost remembrance of felicity lurks still in the dumb roots of death and birth the world's senseless beauty mirrors god's delight that rapture smile is secret everywhere even if we handle matter a little carefully it is amazing it responds to love i have shared this experience number of times and with material objects uh, it's amazing that they may respond to knowledge and of course um, they may respond to power to manipulate the machinery but they can respond to love objects cars scooters everyday use things they can respond to love we can you know if we really treat them with love and care they respond to it plants they can smile at us flowers they can take away our depression just absorb it in themselves how beautiful that secret smile is rapture everywhere as the mother says every evening love in the plant aspires to go up climb up to heaven it flows in the wind's breath in the trees sap its huge magnificence blooms in leaves and flowers one comes out in a state of uh, i'm not feeling too good and as one walks through there's a lovely breeze it caresses us and we then within minutes uh, we feel so good ah so beautiful it's almost like the divine mother's touch in beast and in winged bird bird and thinking man it made of the heart's rhythm its music's beat bliss love and beauty are one they assume three aspects so love is the flower bliss is the fruit that's how one can put it it forces the unconscious tissues to awake and ask for happiness and earn the pang and thrill with pleasure and laughter of brief delight and quiver with pain and crave for ecstasy this um, is so true that when nothing else works in life love does work but it has to be persistent when somebody was asked mother that uh, you know if you have faith in someone and you know you are deceived cheated so what what should you do and what does it mean so mother says very some of the mothers 
answers us so, so, say, widen us through limitless horizons. He said it means your faith was not sufficient enough. It has a power to change. Love has a power to change. I am reminded of an incident someone shared with me that when the, uh, his son studied here and had to be taken out of the school and he went into drugs and it was a miserable journey. And towards the end of his brief life, because uh, he developed malignancy and was in a rehab home, etc. So he was asked um, by his father that, you have seen nothing but misery in life. What have you learned from all this? He at least wanted that he could say some words which would give the old father's heart some solace. That after all, his life was not a waste. Because you are witnessing your child's death at a young age, 40s. So he, he the, the boy now in his 40s, he recounted an incident. He said, you know, when I was going out, I went to the mother. So mother told me that my child remember two things. Never hide anything from me. Second, the mother always loves you. And he says, I don't know about the first, but the second one has sustained me throughout. And the father was so relieved. He was sharing this with me and he was, I could sense that, I mean, what a relief it would be to a father to know that all his life, brief life with all the difficulties, problems, uh, life which can be called as a miserable life, yet this boy managed to remember one thing, that the mother loves me. I think if somebody can remember it, <laughs> even for a few years, it's a great sadhana and yoga. It's a great sadhana to remember just this much that the mother loves me. We cannot love her. But the same love which has entered into this creation, the divine love, as it evolves, it turns into love for the divine. Mother says there is only one love. There are no two loves. And in this creation, it turns into love for the divine. We have these magnificent lines speaking of the evolution of this love. As I said, I have put some marks here and there, but there is no planning what is going to... So this is a very beautiful line. I think it's on page 632. The evolution of love... Yes. Page 62 that this smile, this rapture, which we feel in plan, this is not the end of the journey. This miserable human creature who is all the time thinking, I am not loved, nobody understands me, I am miserable, and then on top of it, there are people who make you more miserable by saying, your own karma. This is the worst thing to tell a human being who is suffering. When um, someone met with an accident, um, so some of us wanted to register a take a proper police action. This is my Air Force days. So the commandant who was, uh, you know, met with an accident, the truck accident, and it was definitely a, a wrong thing. So he used to believe, he was, uh, believe in, you know, these religious things and ideas. He says, what is there? It is, it is her karma, this lady's karma. Amazing. I mean, it can go to that extent. <laughs> so it's not about karma. It's an evolution. And page 632, a mystic, slow transfiguration works. Where does it work? It works in the depths of nature because love is behind everything and it works from within. All our earth starts from mud and ends in sky. Every day we see hope everywhere because everything starts from earth and ends in sky. And love that was once an animal's desire then a sweet madness in the rapturous heart, an ardent comradeship in the happy mind becomes a wide spiritual yearnings space. So the same love which evolves layer by layer, madness in the heart, rapturous madness, comradeship in the mind, that becomes a wide spiritual yearning space a lonely soul passions for the alone. The heart that loved man thrills to the love of God. 
these are two steps and stages shobinda speaks of it that uh, the psychic being when it um, in the beginning it loves man it leans towards those even it can you know those who are god seekers god lovers but then its highest form is when it begins to love the divine for the sake of the divine so that is the highest kind of ecstasy possible to it a body is his chamber and his shrine then is our being released rescued from separateness all is itself all is new felt in god so this love transfigures us a lover leaning from his cloister's door gathers the whole world into his single breast then shall the business fail of night and death till there is this victory of love the mother says this categorically only with love is the supreme power of transformation nothing else can really transform but to embody that love there is a great sacrifice needed the kind of sacrifice which i can think of no other in the history of uh, earth except mother insurbindo insurbindo's love when we look into his eyes everybody speaks of him as knowledge philosopher thinker what an absurdity to reduce him so many notches down even to speak of him as a poet and a mystic okay does some justice comes bit closer to truth but to speak of him as the one who truly loved and loved in what a way his loved has paved the mortals road to heaven this is how mother expresses his sacrifice his love has paved the mortals road to heaven even though the jeer of the crowd the mock people say oh it's a failure it's a failure yet he is willing to take that sacrifice only he could take it and the mother's love mother reminds us always two things you must never forget shurbindo's compassion and the mother's love and the only way to really understand shurbindo it's really very interesting she says in one of her messages who can understand shurbindo is being he is uh, being is universal and his teaching is infinite there is no end to what he has revealed then he says the only way to understand him to come a little closer to him is through love and to give oneself to his work of transformation of earth and humanity this is the only way that we can really understand a little again nollida reminds us when he speaks about shrinder's words he says difficult but the way you can understand is by loving them but we do the reverse oh my god i have to read the life divine to start with the mind begins to play it's going to be so tough so difficult shobindo's english is so difficult the devil has already started his work before the divine has a chance but if we love it now what is the way to read shobindo through love i have a very simple uh, analogy to it when is this uh, from the um, uh, bhagavat that uh, when udhav tells krishna that you know you are a great trickster that of course is well known he says uh, you these gopis love you like a mad fellow and you are enjoying all this love right you don't tell them that this is not the real thing real thing is brahman and brahman can only be had through gyana and gyana can only be had through deep meditation you don't tell them all this you let them cry weep jump and dance and you you think uh, uh, you know it's not good you know brahman but you are not telling them it's not right so krishna says you know i am very busy actually you know lot of things so it's must have slipped off from my mind udhav you are a gyani why don't you please go and tell them about love and all these things about brahman and tell them to disabuse their mind of love for a mere mortal like me it will do good to you and good to them also so that is all right but they will not listen to me they are madly in love with you you send me as your representative so krishna signs a letter that please listen to him i am sending him for a lecture please arrange suitable audience between this time to this time in a nice place and don't trouble him arrange some nice refreshments krishna has written a long letter <laughs> sign krishna so udhav goes all solemn grim meditating throughout the way that i am going to give some great knowledge he is thinking in his mind all the shastras vedas upanishad what shlokas i will say and what not 
So as he goes, uh, um, some of the gopis and gops recognize, Oh, Udhavji, you are coming from Krishna. Yes, yes. Have you met him? Yes. Uh, has he said something for us? Yes, he has given this letter. And before he can read the letter, they all jump. And the letter is, each one wants to read and it's, they cannot read. The worst is they cannot read. And the letter is in pieces. And Udhav says, you are fools. You have no patience. You can't even wait for what is written in the letter. He says, we don't need all that. You stay quiet. We just needed a touch of Krishna. And we all have it. <laughs> so he says, you people are truly mad fellows. But I have come to give you jnana. Sit in line. So they all sit quietly. Why? Because Krishna has said something. So Udhav doesn't say what Krishna has said. He starts teaching them abstract Vedanta. So they become restless. So they say, no, no, tell us what Krishna has said. No, no, no. You see, I will teach you pranayam. So the gopis ask him, what is pranayam? He says, you have to master your breath. And you have to do this movement. So the gopis say, you know, we have only one problem. Udhav says, what is your problem? You can't hold your breath. He says, no, we had one, one breath one life and we have dedicated all this to Krishna. Now if we have to practice all this, we have to get it back and do it. So the end of the story is to cut it short. Udhav gets chastened and he realizes what great heights of realizations one can have just through bhakti. Shobindu says it is the crown of all experiences. And in Savitri, he says, it is the key to the flaming doors of ecstasy. It is the key. One can have, um, with, with knowledge, God admits us in his study room. To his servant, he allows a little more inside. But to his lover, he says, come with me in the bed. And I will reveal to you what my dreams are for the future. This is a special privilege reserved for him. So Udhav comes back and says, Krishna, you are truly a trickster. He says, again you are telling me a trickster. He says, you told me that I am going to give them something, but I have come back learning something. So Krishna says, those are my ways. These are my ways and my cunning, my works and my cunning. So that secret smile is everywhere. And it is that which is working. It is that which is evolving. It is that which is leading us on the great journey gathers the whole world into his single breast, then shall the business fail of night and death. When will death end? When will night end? How beautiful. Not just with light, but with love. Why? Because love alone can join that which is now parted or twain. Shubhinda says in Savitri, in the secret knowledge, we must feel the lacuna we have made. What is the lacuna? Matter and spirit. What power can bridge them, unite them? That's why it's very interesting that in Savitri, it is love versus death, not life versus death. Life and death are two sides of one coin. But love, why death? Death is the power that divides. And the final division that death does is between the divine and the creation. This is the final division. So in Savitri, last till the last, he doesn't leave. He says, no, you can have all your satyavan if you like, but up above. But love is the power that unites and it has gone to unite creation with the creator and therefore it carries that capacity in it and because the psychic is nothing else but the mother's love crystallized in creation, therefore it's a very nature of psychic to love. It cannot be otherwise. Wherever it goes, wherever the psychic blossoms, even in humanity, it loves and loves rightly, loves beautifully. Even in human love, when mother was asked that if love comes our way, what should we do? Because we are supposed to love only God. The mother laughs and says, ah, go through it. <laughs> and then she says something very interesting. She says, there are people who reject this. So what happens? They become harsh. And over a period of time, they lose the capacity to love. And it takes sometimes century just to recover this possibility. They wash the baby with the bath water. So, she says, instead, learn to love unselfishly, without expectation. And she says, if you go through it deep enough, at the end you will discover 
that behind appearances you will discover the core of love which is the same everywhere so love in whatever form can become a sadhana if one learns to go behind appearances what are the appearances oh so and so gets angry so and so has deceived me so and so is you know doesn't take care of me so and so doesn't love me so and so. this is voice of the titan but the voice of the sadhak of the yoga is that behind all these appearances there is the mother's love and it has come in this form and fine through this also everything can become a path to one who is alert and awake this is what is meant by alertness and awake that everything becomes a path so this is the great journey and then this business ends <clears throat> in the same page towards the end our lives are god's messengers beneath the stars to dwell under death's shadow they have come tempting god's light to earth for the ignorant race his love to fill the hollow in men's hearts if there is one thing which runs through prayers and meditations it is love 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 teach me to be the instrument of thy love and um, people speak about narad's bhakti shows uh, sutras and shandil's bhakti sutra i have read them and you know they pale into insignificance when you read the prayers and meditation if there is one book which is all about bhakti in its highest form purest form ahatu ki bhakti with all the science in it it is prayers and meditations what a unique gift so his love to fill the hollow in men's hearts his bliss to heal the unhappiness of the world often people project the mother as you know everybody has his own image of the mother and she is this she is that but if one were to take really an opinion survey that there are very few people you know left now and uh, i'm so happy that in this uh, audience we have some of those who have been blessed to have mother's physical vision with these mortal eyes and blessed by her so if one asks what is it if one has to speak of the mother as embodiment of one single quality what is it so what i have heard from most is and what one has felt and experienced is that most of all she was the mother of love an embodiment of love and grace and she says that my child do not treat me like a guru i come many notches down if you treat me like a guru i don't want to be a guru of anyone it's much more natural to me to be the universal mother for all the mother's love the calm indulgence of maternal breast it's that's how shubindo describes this love when he speaks of the mother's love in another place where he says um, it's in canto 5 book 1 where he says almost was caught as through a cunning veil the smile of love that sanctions the game the calm indulgence of maternal breast that he could sense that love which is indulgent shobindo says that that the divine mother wants that the soul should go to it in all its difficulties why she likes it why she indulges because so that she can pour her heart of love on her creatures so this is her love and we are here to embody that love in a miniature way and the door to that love is the psychic his bliss to heal the unhappiness of the world and then she says these marvelous lines how important is love even love disfigured in human life love must not cease to live upon the earth for love is the bright link twixt earth and heaven love is the far transcendence angel here love is man's lean on the absolute same thing is revealed to us again in the book of love love is a glory from eternity's sphere a beast disfigured mocked by baser mites that steal his name and shape and ecstasy he is still the godhead by which all can change even when it is disfigured even when it is most suffering still with love is one possibility of change even at a human level what happens when love enters our heart sweet 
suddenly everything changes and the beauty of love is often love and anger are almost you know like uh, they work in two opposite ways when anger is there we see everything in the other person is bad even the most beautiful things are bad horrible we are only critical and we have gallstones because you know no please don't quote me i am just being bit <laughs> uh, so you know it just makes us bitter more and more bitter inside and as the mother says that you know it makes the consciousness taste bitter to the divine and when we complain and grumble all kinds of forces enter into us but when we love someone even the horrible things appear good you know try telling somebody that you know you are loving a wrong person there is nothing good and worthwhile in the person you tell a person who is in love he will never agree why because it transforms first our consciousness we begin to glimpse it's not that the person is wrong this wrong to say we the intensity of that love pierces through the veil cuts through all the forces on the surface and for a moment a door parts and we glimpse something of the presence within the other person and if we can sustain that presence and that faith that shraddha the other person will also begin to change because if all the time we keep believing and saying and repeating that you are a wonderful person you are a beautiful being why won't the person change but instead we say initially that you are a beautiful being so that we want to hear at least on second day third day the person should give back the compliment to us but it doesn't happen so few days few days after sometimes we say you are a horrible person you don't even know how to return the compliment and we have lost the whole journey it's a beautiful journey i had a friend pilot who got married and his wife didn't know cooking so first day when friends came she cooked karela and rice so poor fellow ate it and all of them ate it next day when the friends came again she cooked karela and rice it's a true story he himself recounted me and after four five days he says you know uh, don't you think we should change them you know she says but i don't know to cook anything else so unfortunately life becomes like this that uh, we lose faith we lose that hope but even in a human level even where it's disfigured he is still the godhead by which all can change a mystery wakes in our inconscious stuff a bliss is born that can remake our life love dwells in us like an unopened flower awaiting a rapid moment of the soul so what is that moment of the soul when suddenly one feels that here is a person the child god is at play he seeks himself in many hearts and minds and living forms he lingers for a sign that he can know and when it comes wakes blindly to a voice he seizes on some sign of outward charm it is the god which is at play how interesting we think it's the other person who has a charm no he fills everything he paints everything colors everything suddenly we begin to feel a glow and beauty and everything but who is at play the child god reads heavenly truths into earth semblances desires the image for the godhead's sake loves adoration like a mystic seer through vision looks at the invisible this is the capacity of love and this what is embodied in so many indian stories for just want of time i am just shutting that part out of my brain because again another story will flow about how the power of love could change even the gods were compelled for instance anusuya's love so powerful is her love that she could turn gods into helpless little babes how just by that power of love mandodri's love for ravana is regarded as one of the great great loves she is among the five great ones she loved a demon a titan who opposed the divine and yet her love is regarded as one of the high kinds of love why because that love had a power she always advised him to stay on the path of the right and the light and yet despite everything that he did or did not do she remained faithful one and that love itself has a power so look at this loves adoration like a mystic seer through vision looks at the invisible all strives to enforce the unity all is too far from the divine love seeks his truth and life is blind and the instruments deceive and powers are there that labor to debase still can the vision come the joy arrive rare is the cup fit for love's nectar wine 
as rare the vessel that can hold God's birth. The path of love is a path of fire. One is reminded of a famous Urdu couplet, Ye aag ka darya hai aur doob ke jana hai. It is a stream of fire and you are not allowed to swim or fly over it. You have to drown in it, burn yourself completely. Every bit of ego has to be reduced to ashes because ego and love cannot stay together. If this applies to human love, how much more in our love for the divine? Kabir says, if you want to love divine, we all use so care. I love mother, I love divine. Often I feel, I sometimes ask in one of those moments, can we really love even a human being? Forget about loving divine. It's such a cliche. Kabir says so beautifully. He says, Ye to ghar hai prem ka khala ka ghar nahi. Sheesh kataye bhui dhare tab baithe ghar mahi. Translation, rough translation into English. This is the house of love, home of love. Not your grand aunt's place. So if you have to enter, what you have to do? There is a prize. What is the prize? Sheesh kataye. Cut off your head. Keep it on the door. Then you enter. If you are carrying this too much, this and love doesn't go. Love is blind. Love is obedient. Love is full of trust. Love is one that surrenders unquestioningly. Love gives itself without asking anything in return. This is the highest culmination of human love. Shobindu says there is various kinds of bhakti. There is vital bhakti which calculates and bargains. I love you God, but what am I going to get in return? So when we read books and there are people who advertise, oh, supramental creation, you will become a new being, immortal being. Ah, that's good. I have some profit to make, I can turn to you. It doesn't last long. Or else we go crazy because we start seeing every illness as a golden light and transformed body because that's what we are seeking. We are not seeking the divine for the sake of love for the divine. Mental bhakti keeps always reservations. It doubts and doubts and doubts. If you are God, you should not fall sick. Harivan Shrai Bachchan, Amitabh Bachchan's father had come here to Pondicherry Ashram. And it's very interesting, he could not have mother's darshan. Why? Because he was told, he came along with Sumitra Nandan Pant, the poet who was a devotee of Shobindo and he has written beautiful poems. So, um, Harivan Shrai Bachchan writes in his memoirs, is a small passage he has written, that I went there and uh, we were disappointed because we could not have her darshan. We were told that the mother has a toothache. And then he writes half caustically, uh, ironically. He says, uh, perfect, flawless, and having toothache. He writes like that. And then very interestingly he recounts. He doesn't know what he's writing. He says, but anyways, strangely, that day I was also having a toothache. So he says, look how the soul intimations come from within. He says, so I thought that well, if not in the light, at least in the difficulties I am one with you. Not realizing that in the difficulties, it is the divine who had become one with him. He had taken the difficulties upon himself. So it's amazing that, you know, what that love is, rare Still can the vision come, the joy arrive. Rare is the cup fit for love's nectar wine, as rare the vessel that can hold God's birth. A soul made ready through a thousand years is the living mold of a supreme descent. We end with, um, sorry, rushing through. Um, I don't feel like stopping. But we end with the mother's own personality. What was her human persona that could embody such a love? Shobindu describes who she is, even about her humanness. She is divine, we know, but even to look at her as a human personality, how she could embody that love, what we have to do to embody that love. It's in a way, God's example is an example for all of us. That's what Shobindu says in the essays on the Gita, that Sri Krishna insists on God's own example. And then he elaborates. God's life is an example for us to follow. Otherwise, it has no meaning or purpose. It's an inspiration and an example for us. So, it's on page 8. Even her humanity was half divine, her spirit opened to the spirit in all. Her nature felt all nature as its own, apart, living within all lives she bore. Aloof, she carried in herself the world. 
so quickly and hastily we say, Oh, I am doing my own sadhana, don't disturb me. Here is the divine, even when he shut himself in a room, he is carrying within him the pain, the stab, the gunshot wounds of those who are on the borders fighting the Second World War. That is his example. I carry the sorrow of a million creatures in my lonely breast. Shobindo's poem. The universal mother's love was hers. Near all in her pointed to a nobler kind. Near to earth's wideness, intimate with heaven. Exalted and swift her young large vision spirit. Voyaging through worlds of splendor and of calm, overflew the ways of thought to unborn things. Her kindly care was a sweet, temperate sun. A wide self-giving was her native act, a magnanimity as of sea or sky, enveloped with its greatness all that came. People went to her and they felt suddenly released into a wide freedom. She says in Agenda, when Nehru came, she says, uh, people asked what happened, what did he say, one more. She says, laughingly, I gave him a bath of the Lord. She says, this is all I do when people come to me, I give them a bath of the Lord. We know Devan Nair's reminiscences that he came and he was getting restless, I have to meet the mother. Then he was also thinking, what will I tell her, president of Singapore, what will I tell her? Then he looked around and said, I'll tell her, great lady, you are doing a good job in the ashram. He had all this in his mind. But he was also slightly nervous. So, he says, with all these thoughts in my head, I went there. But when I saw her, I forgot everything. <laughs> I just knelt down, put my head on her lap. So, this is, gave a greatness to all who came, without questioning, a magnanimity as of sea or sky. Her kindly care was a sweet, temperate sun. And then, there is a beautiful description, how we can relate to her. As might a soul fly like a hunted bird, escaping with tired wings from a world of storms and a quiet reach like a remembered breast. In a haven of safety and splendid soft repose, one could drink life back in streams of honey fire, recover the lost habit of happiness. Essence of sadhana. Someone asked an elderly lady, she is no more, that uh, a group of young people had come, how do you do sadhana here? She said, I don't know about that. Every morning we go, we tell, go to the samadhi and tell all that is going on inside us to mother. And whatever happens, when we are depressed, when we are not well, we again go and tell her. When we are happy, we go and tell her. The amazing thing is, within few moments after we have told her, we feel completely free, released. Monada says in one of his talks, one cannot pass near that circle without being bathed in that supramental light. She speaks of the samadhi, surcharged with those vibrations. They sacrifice their physical body, but brought down to earth the supramental consciousness. And the samadhi, the ashram, vibrates with that vibrations. Even now, even if there were a hundred thousand battles fought on its body, still that is the light of truth. And the love of the unnameable, the unspeakable, the only one. I close with um, just four lines at the end. Of course, she embodied that love in the human body and this is the far destiny of mankind. One day, we all would embody that love. And that love does not cancel earthly love. It's not just about the human soul turning to the divine. It's embodying that love in all relations. All human relations are basically a distorted reflection of the divine relation. And it's possible to embody them here. We can be the other sense of Acharya Devo Bhava, Matra Devo Bhava, Pitra Devo Bhava. One sense is that Acharya is like a god, treat him like a god. Father is like a god, treat him like a god. But this is another sense. This is what the Acharyas say. But children don't agree that. They say there is the other meaning. Acharya, be like a god. Father, be like a god. Infinite patience. Mother, be like a god. Infinite love. So this is what one day will become when all of us will be gathered around her, centered around her.
harmoniously, beautifully. Heaven's touch fulfills, but cancels not our earth. Our love has grown greater by that mighty touch. The divine does not cancel human love. The divine purifies it, transforms it. Otherwise, there would be no creation. Everybody is loving the divine in their own hearts. He uses human love as a material to transfigure it. He uses human knowledge as a material to pour wisdom into it. He uses the stumbling and struggling human will when we offer it to transmute it into the omnipotence force. So also he uses the human heart, its failings, its strivings, its stumblings and errors to pour the pure love and delight and the beatitude which can remake our life and change our world. This is Savitri and this is the sadhana of Savitri and this is what we have to live and this is the hope for the future. This is what will be one day. Page 7 to 4 at the end. And Savitri is asked, what have you done? Conquered death? Brought back Satyavan? What did you do? Savitri doesn't speak big things. She is not into drama. Oh, you don't know what I did. Today I sat for meditation and I saw death. I dialogued with it, debated with it and finally I burnt it. Roasted it alive. She doesn't say any of those things. Sages notice a transfiguration in her. What sadhana have you done, Savitri? We see a marvelous change on your face. It's a glow with a light as of a thousand suns. And we see Satyavan. And today all the auspicious things have happened. Dhumatsena's eyesight has returned. And what marvel of the day or the skies. What gleaming marvel stands by thy side, O Satyavan. They ask him. He has only this to say. Lay all on her. She is the cause of all. So they turn to her. You tell us who are you? What have you done? And she says, what is this sadhana? In four lines. With that we will close. Awakened to the meaning of my heart. That to feel love and oneness is to live. As long as we are divided and separate, we are not even alive. And this the magic of our golden change. Is all the truth I know or seek, O sage, awakened to the meaning of my heart, that to feel love and oneness is to live, and this the magic of our golden change, is all the truth I know or seek, O sage.